Brady Saar, and I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Ag Services, Erskine. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network, CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Good morning, farm news on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Don Wick with Randy Conan in studio. We'll have a report from Whitney Pittman as well. The mild conditions continue. Temps will remain above normal today with even warmer conditions for the balance of the week. A cold air mass will bring somewhat cooler conditions Friday and Saturday before we get another run at mild February conditions next week. The European Union is sending three warships to the Red Sea and the Gulf of Aden to protect international shipping routes. The stronger European presence in the Red Sea is happening after the Houthi rebels attacked another cargo ship Monday. The attacks have been uh, have disrupted trade between Europe and China, forcing many shippers to take the longer and costlier routes around the southern tip of Africa. Soybean and corn prices have been trending lower since last fall. NAU Country Vice President of Farm Services Rich Morrison says the lower commodity prices may favor the ARC program. Uh, the nice thing about the ARC program is that it is a uh, kind of old term, the counter-cyclical type program, where it uses a five-year Olympic average. And uh, we're, we're dropping off 2017 and bringing in 2022. So for the corn price, we're gaining about 90 cents. We're up to 485 now for the ARC price. And for soybeans, we're up into the 11s. And so, whereas the insurance prices are dropping back this year because we're using the February average. Morrison sees the ARC program becoming even more important next year. I I can see ARC this year and even more so next year being an important part uh, of risk management for for producers with bases of those crops because we're uh, being able to set a county 86% trigger uh, using those higher prices. So... Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if, if the prices continue to fall in the year ahead that that ARC program is going to be more and more important, I think, for producers. The Census of Agriculture reaffirmed the trend toward larger farms. National farmer, uh, far, rather, Farmers National Company Senior Vice President Matt Gunderson says the census is generating a lot of discussion. And, I, and it's creating conversation both, I think, within production agriculture, but it's also creating conversation internally in terms of what does that look like for the next generation as it comes into it, who's around for those farms, how does that look from a generational planning perspective, and really brings to the forefront the importance of estate planning and having those sometimes difficult conversations around how that next generation may or may not be involved. The census provides a snapshot of farm production every five years. we got to be able to take now that the data is out, right, and spend some time peeling back those layers and really starting to digest it uh, on some things so that we can start, you know, being proactive then from the reactiveness of getting the data now to be proactive to really start determining how do we have those discussions, what do those changes look like so that when that comes out in the next five years, hopefully we start seeing some change. Farmland values in southwestern Minnesota increased by an average of 14.7% last year. The annual survey conducted in 14 counties found farmland prices reached a new high of $9,950 per acre this past year. That's up from $8,500 in 2022. Jackson County had the highest average sale price 
at more than $12,600 per acre. Mitchell Livestock Marketing Field Representative Lanning Edwards says low cattle numbers are keeping demand and prices strong at sale barns. It also means tough competition for replacement heifers. It can be 600-pound steers, something that some people might be going to take to grass or whatever. They're, they're hovering around that $3 there. And uh, or an eight weight steer going to going to the feedlot like that, you know, two thirty, two forty, two fifty on some of those uh, replacement quality heifers uh, going back to the herd. Uh, they're they're buying them and they're they're giving good money for them, but the 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 feedlot price indicates that that's always the that's always the main line there. And then forever the quality and the reputation of the heifers and stuff as far as going back for breeding of what they can give for one of those. Well, Mitchell Livestock will host a, a large dispersal sale this weekend. Edwards has seen more dispersals of smaller herds recently. We've dispersed probably a lot of smaller ones. Uh, this, this You don't catch them with 800 cows in this part of the world and disperse them all. The, the Burnett sale coming up this Saturday, there'll be 835 of those cows. There'll be a uh, high percentage of black and black white face, and they'll probably be 10, 15% red-hided cows. For uh, one of that caliber, you don't, you don't see them often. The Ag Chair for the World Trade Organization has circulated a draft text ahead of next week's ministerial conference. Topics up for negotiation include public policy over food security and assistance for the most vulnerable countries. This is the Red River Farm Network. Tuesday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. The Minnesota Senate Ag Committee met yesterday, received a report from the Board of Animal Health on what's been happening with avian influenza. State veterinarian Dr. Brian Holfs said that there has not been a positive case in the state since October. We've had a couple of calls for backyard flocks with sick birds that owners were concerned about. Again, I'm, I'm happy to report those, those tests have come back negative. Um, we are demobilizing our instant response team. So those individuals that we've, we've scavenged from other agencies, including the Department of Agriculture, Department of Health, um, and, and our own uh, Board of Animal Health uh, staff that have been extending themselves to help with the poultry program are in the demobilizing phase of the response. Abnormally warm winter weather has impacted migrating birds. That makes any spring outbreaks unpredictable. Uh, we are preparing for a spring wave. We know that a high path avian influenza comes with the migrating birds. Uh, these strange Strange winters that we have seem to be uh, strange as far as the migration is concerned as well. Um, ironically, last year we did not have much of a, a high path response or um, activity in the spring. Um, again, attributed to some strange migration patterns. It's anyone's guess what's going to happen this year. It could come earlier. It could come later. It could, it could vary as well, but uh, preparing nonetheless. Domestic sugar supplies are at record levels. CSC sugar market strategist Chris Bergen credits the large beet crop that was harvested this past fall. However, if we take into account beginning stocks, it's not the largest quantity of total available beet supplies to the market. It's close, but it's, it's not quite the same as 2017 where we had just north of 6.3 million tons. Refined sugar margins were squeezed in 2017. Bergen says the market is not reacting the same way this year, especially with fewer Mexican imports. Secondly, the structure of the market has changed. And what I mean by that is U.S. sugar is now has merged with Imperial. And as a member of the United Beet Co-op, they're going to be far less incentivized to the extent that they can to discount beet sugar so heavily 
against cane sugar. And finally, and probably most importantly, is Mexico's taking the surplus. So they're having a crop failure that most are aware of. Uh, they were down 16% last year. And either way, prices in Mexico have now traded up to on par with th those in the U.S. adjusted for freight. So we're now happily able to service that market. According to Verax Commodities Vice President of Sales and Marketing, Pedro Figueroa, the sugar cooperatives in the Red River Valley have continued to invest in facilities. Figueroa cites the region's dependence on sugar beet production compared to other parts of the country that may focus on other crops. Co-ops, particularly in the Great Lakes and in the Rockies, have not invested as much as the Red River Valley colleagues because they're chasing other opportunities. As they chase those opportunities, the opportunities within sugar segment get somewhat neglected. And so it reflects on the share price. You know, if you look at today as, share, as share, co op share prices, the River Valley is extremely strong versus Michigan and Rocky co ops that are pretty much trading at par, zero. Minnesota Corn Research and Promotion Council board member Chad Willis attended this last week's U.S. Grains Council winter meeting in Guatemala. Willis says the push for increased market access funding in the next farm bill continues. Other countries are outspending us. Just you wouldn't believe how how much other countries are out, outspending the U.S. on uh, trade promotion, and um, so it's very very important uh, to enable outfits like U.S. Grains to do what we do. Developing and maintaining market access for U.S. commodities is all about having boots on the ground. That's right, trade servicing and just helping them with any concerns they have. Um, you know, we recently did a study that shows the value of U.S. corn compared to our competitors' corn as far as in, in poultry diets. So right there, that's a tool we can use when, when our staff goes around the world talking to potential customers and existing customers why they should be buying more U.S. corn. North Dakota opinions about climate change vary widely. A new poll conducted by the North Dakota New Cooperative found 43% of voters see climate change as a serious problem, while 34% does not. 85% of the responders do not plan to buy an electric car or truck. 40% of those surveyed did not take a position regarding the storage of carbon capture emissions. Chief Research Officer Trevor Smith said environmental issues have become highly politicized with independent voters being the wild card. This is the Red River Farm Network. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. The Red River Farm Network is celebrating National FFA Week. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Whitney Pittman has more. Kenzie Kuschel says the first time she put on the blue jacket in eighth grade, it just felt natural. Now, as a freshman at South Dakota State University, she serves on the Minnesota State Officer Team as the Minnesota FFA State Sentinel. As a state FFA officer in Minnesota, I'm responsible for representing over 15,000 FFA members across the state. I grew up on my family's fourth generation beef ranch. My supervised agricultural experience is in beef production placement where I live and work on the Rocking K Ranch. I raise beef cattle um, and train horses, carrying on the traditions that my great grandparents established during World War II um, while implementing today's technologies. A piece of uh, being the state sentinel, uh, I make sure that our meeting room is cared for and that people are feeling welcomed into our organization. Kushal is working toward becoming a veterinarian and says her leadership roles in FFA have given her opportunities to be successful. I feel that being a state officer 
has really opened a lot of different opportunities for me down that career pathway. I've had lots of opportunities to meet with industry professionals, uh, specifically veterinarians and people working in animal husbandry. I've been able to job shadow our local vet. Um, I feel that state office has not only connected me to great people and great resources, but it's also opened a lot of doorways into opportunities that I never thought I would have, such as being able to go to our nation's capital um, and meet with legislators on important topics in the agricultural industry. Coverage celebrating FFA Week is brought to you by Nutrien and Proceed. Reporting agriculture's business, I'm Whitney Pittman on the Red River Farm Network. Checking markets this morning, we have Minneapolis wheat a half penny higher for March, 6.55 and a quarter, May a penny higher. Chicago wheat for the month of March, we're three and three quarter higher. The uh, KC wheat, same contract, three and three quarter higher. March corn, three and a quarter higher, 419 and three quarters. The July contract, three higher. March soybeans, nine and a quarter better at 1181 and a half. The May contract gains eight and three quarter cents. Plenty on the farm calendar, including the North Dakota Farmers Union hosting their Evolution Ag Summit today in Jamestown looking at soil carbon management and some of those incentives out there for farmers and ranchers to be implementing carbon reduction practices on their farm. Uh, their midday speaker, keynoter, Rob Sharkey, the shark farmer. Again, that's today in Jamestown. The Northland Potato Growers Association annual meeting and the Chairman's Award Banquet will be held tonight. That's a 6.30 start. That'll be held in Grand Forks. And Commodity Classic is coming up. It'll be uh, starting on the 28th, Wednesday of next week in Houston, Texas. Uh, that's the annual meeting for the corn, soybean, wheat industries, the ag equipment manufacturers there as well. Have a great day. You're listening to the Red River Farm Network.